Hey, this is Danny Heifetz from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. For all your fantasy football needs, check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show with me, Craig Horlbeck, and Danny Kelly. That's the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. It is Thursday, November 30th, and your boy, Sports Boy, is doing solo episode today. Uh, that's right. Mr. Michael Giuseppe is with the family. I will be solo for the next 10 minutes, and that's really the only solo part of this show. I've got some uh, exciting guests for us today. I think you guys are going to enjoy it because it's kind of what we've talked about the last few episodes. In fact, you know what? Mike's not here. Why don't, why don't I give you just a little bit? of a rundown, if that's even allowed anymore. It feels so weird to do a rundown, but this is what we're going to do today. We're going to have a show that is going to be a good mix of hobby news and, and collectible love, but then also mix in there with like perspective changes. So first off, we're going to talk about the comments that were made by Michael Rubin on Bill Simmons podcast. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I thought it was actually really interesting. Um, there, if you, if you, don't like the Homer love of like uh, Tom Brady and Celtics. Don't worry. There's not a ton of it. There is definitely some of it, uh, but there's, there's not a ton. It does kind of get into a good segment though of card related stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about first. After that, um, we're going to have uh, uh, Doug Kasky. He is one of the owners of Mojo break. He's going to join us. They do the podcast. They have the local card shop. And that's really what we're going to focus on is the perspective of the local card shop owner. We talked about doing this with guys all around the country. He's going to be our first one there over in, um, oh, I want to say San Jose, California. So uh, West Coast, we're starting out with. We may, I'm going to try and get Steve from Columbia Hobby, the guy uh, who we partner with for, you know, card supplies, have him on because he had, he said a ton of traffic over Black Friday. Love to see his perspective as well. Then we're going to have later in the show, uh, Jason Flynn, our soccer F1 guy. I'm hoping to keep that as positive possible as possible. There's a, there's been a number of guys who have said, you know, that part of the hobby is not doing so great right now. So, um, you know, let's just, let's just see where it goes. At least he can give us a good idea for if there's any points, uh, turning, turning points, or if there's, if it's just a fire sale and everybody get out. So, uh, then we got a couple other little things we'll talk about. Um, our weekly review, uh, PWCC weekly review, and then mailbag. So let's go ahead and hit him with the big picture. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. That was excellent. Really appreciated you saying that. Uh, Michael Rubin's comments on the Bill Simmons podcast. First off, you know, it's, I get it. If you have the choice between sports cards nonsense and Bill Simmons, it's a close second for SCN and, uh, we can respect that he went to the podfather himself. But next time, you know, Bill, that's all we're saying. Next next time, you know, you got to send it this way. It's a mandatory thing. I'm so sorry for demanding things. All right, Michael Rubin's comments that were very interesting. I think if you, uh, if you took the time, you'd find a few of these points, uh, I guess, really relevant to what we're dealing with today. Um, but the overall topic started out about, you know, how... Bill kind of like, he he did set it up to ask if, if Fanatics was a monopoly. I like that that question kind of early on in the interview because a lot of guys have, you know, pressed as to what they're doing in the hobby space. But 
Um, even though it was more fanatics in general as like clothing company, collectibles, gambling, all that kind of stuff. If they're kind of trying to take over sports in general, it, it, Ruben made a few comments. That it does seem like they're just trying to be the best in the space, but definitely not take over completely. Um, another couple of interesting points before we get into the real hobby specific stuff. They went into a few of the the ways that they can utilize that $150 million mailing list. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of good usage for Fanatics. But uh, that's specifically to the Fanatics card side of things. Collectible side of things, I think, could really take advantage of that. Uh, if they know the team that you're buying jerseys for, then they may know a product that is going to be more interest to you, especially if there's a lot of rookies there. And, and that's where we started talking a little bit more about AI and what that can do for the the card hobby or the the fanatics company as a whole, but really what it could also do for the card hobby. Um, he starts talking too about how he started, <laughs> I guess, as a kid, like buying and selling trading cards to his friends' parents. I thought that was kind of interesting. Like he's had uh, this kind of in his in his repertoire of of businesses since being a little kid, and now he's running the biggest card uh, industry in the world. Then he gets into redemptions. Now, this I thought was really interesting. We've talked about this a number of times. It was like the love-hate relationship of redemptions. It's really mostly hate because people would, of course, rather have a card in person. But oftentimes it's been you know, explained away as, well, they, can't, they couldn't get the auto from the athlete in time to get it in the product. In this case, he kind of addressed some of that specifically because he said when he came in, when they bought Tops. There were like 30,000 redemptions. It's now down to 1,000. He has eliminated, eliminated like 95% of the redemptions out there. If those numbers are real, that's pretty amazing. That's, that's impressive, and I'm glad to hear it because he goes on to talk about how much he hates it and how because of his relationship with Fanatics, when, uh, I'm sorry, with all these athletes that already you know are doing jerseys with Fanatics or whatever the case may be, now when we need signers for cards, well, because of those relationships, he can get them that much quicker. And that's his goal is basically to eliminate as many redemptions as possible. So that's kind of interesting to think that we could live in a world where redemptions may no longer be as big of a hassle. Um, then he goes into, uh, he, he made a comment that I thought was really interesting. He says he's never seen an industry, talking about the hobby, an industry more passionate and more underserved. He was saying, he mentioned too, like how what they are doing as far as growing the hobby and, and just making changes along the way. They're only like about, he says, maybe 15, 20% in. He said, there's still so much more they want to do. I think that gives a lot of hope. You know, like we keep talking about how, well, it, the, the big 10X number, everybody uh, goes back to a quote he made a few months ago, maybe a year ago about 10Xing the hobby. I don't know, again, if that's, necessarily a thing, but to know like, oh, there's still a lot more planned. They have a lot more in the works. I think that's pretty promising. I think that he also made some really interesting statements about like the future of, of cards, what things may look like. He talked about like, you know, uh, the issues with counterfeiting, how there's a possibility of adding a chip into high-end cards so that you'd be able to determine for, you know, 100% certainty if a card's authentic or not. To know that they're thinking about like how to combat counterfeiting issues, that's awesome to me. As a collector and as a fan of the hobby, I like to know that I'm not going to get scammed, right? Like who wants to get scammed? And to know they're taking precautions 
to try and combat that. I think that's that's a step in the right direction. Um, yeah, it, they. He also goes on to talk about how when he you know came into the hobby, the goal was to try and put more money into the pockets of everyone. I think he didn't specifically say even to like the card companies, but I, I got to assume that he means that. But he was saying that in reference to getting rid of the middlemen. So like the, the distributors, it really does sound like a bleak future if they are in any way related to the, the sports that Fanatics is going to be taking over because he, their specific goals, put more money in the pockets of the local card shops and to the, the athletes and, of course, into the company's pocket. So I, I thought that was also a point that many are, uh, I guess, still thinking maybe there's hope for the for that middleman for the the margins. Uh, that's where I get concerned for like breakers and stuff. If you don't have direct allocation, man, that that is a concern. I would like to when Mike comes back, I think we'll need to discuss that more because it's like you you pretty much don't have many options if you were going to be breaking any of those products because it doesn't sound like there's going to be much in the way of the middleman, the distributors getting a lot of products probably in the future. Um, let's see. He goes on to talk about the debut patches, how that has been a huge thing. Uh, apparently that was a Mike Mahan, uh, idea that they ran with that seems to have done really well. He says like, he also, there was a little brief comment. If you're listening closely, um, Bill says something about like the, usually you just got like, you know, a piece of a Jersey on a card and he, he kind of sounded like he didn't like that or something. And then Ruben kind of jumped on that and indicated that, He's like, yeah, they just put it on the parking lot and then took it off and then indicated he didn't really like patches. I'm wondering if that was just like he doesn't like patches in the sense of if it's not fully game worn or if he just doesn't like patches at all. I'm hoping it's just the game worn because I, I think most of us can agree like we like the overall idea of the patch. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that's that's not a thing that we have to worry about, that that's still going to be around. Uh, let's see a few other comments that were made. The The base card. MVP buyback program. They're saying that has drawn a ton of demand um, into local card shops, which everybody seems to be really happy about. These are a couple of initiatives that have taken off that have really succeeded. Um, and then he also addressed one thing that I was really happy about. Not only like that counterfeiting thing, I think that was cool that he addressed that, but I, I thought it was really cool that he addressed the part about faking breaks, like loaded boxes. Now, you know, I've already seen, like, I think I saw a video already posted on YouTube this morning uh, about, you know, oh, I don't believe it or whatever the case is. But Ruben goes on to say, like, you know, they hired a uh, a third party independent auditor, Deloitte and Touche, I think he says, to go and make sure that their boxes are randomized, to make sure that it's not like scammed or planned or anything like that. Again, these are, these are, uh, the highlights from the conversation with Bill Simmons about the hobby from Michael Rubin. And I think if you're going to, you know, if you, if we just accept it as is, it sounds very promising and that's all we can do. Right. Like, I mean, we, I don't think there's any proof to the contrary for most of this stuff, but if nothing else, if you can hold him to the, his word on a lot of these things, I think it's a pretty positive, bright future for, for what fanatics is doing. Now, that doesn't mean like we can just give them a pass on everything by any means, uh, especially the larger they get, the more I feel like there needs to be eyes on them. But it, they're saying all the things that make me feel a little bit more comfortable for the most part. Um, but again, 
that's my take on those. I know Mike listened to the podcast as well. So maybe on Monday, he may have some additional thoughts on it. That was like a, a brief overview for, for anybody who didn't catch it. Um, all right. That's about all the time we have before our LCS, our local card shop owner, joins us. Doug Kasky from Mojo Break. Doug from Mojo Break, thank you so much for, for joining us. In fact, as I was uh, getting ready to, you know, put the notes in the show notes of like, oh, Doug is going to join us. I realized for the first time, it's is it technically Mojo Break, not Mojo Breaks with an S? It's Mojo Break, yeah. But it's been a common um, thing that everybody calls us Mojo Breaks, which I understand because we do more than one break. So it, it makes <laughs> sense. But for the sake of a website, you know, when you make a website 13 years ago, you want to go with the least amount of letters as possible. So smart, you okay. know. Well, take the S away there. Off air, you were bragging to me about how you have a dog and how you have multiple studios that are being worked on and, and busy <laughs> right now. So I, I'm glad that you had the time to come and join me today with Mike being out. I, I wanted to uh, have you know someone to banter with, but also I wanted to to pick your brain a little bit because not only are you guys, you know, you've got a very popular podcast. Uh, I'm a fan of you and Dan, what you guys do there. Um, you guys, of course, are breakers, but you also have your own card shop, right? We do. Yeah. Mojobreakshop.com is the site for our card shop. We're open seven days a week from 11 to six every day. So we're always running, you know, promotions around games. We've got a lot of good collectors that come in and buy all sorts of stuff. So it's been a a fun ride. Those are managed by uh, my buddy Carlos and his uh, brother Davey, and they do a, a fantastic job in the store. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So you, how long have you been doing that? How long have you guys had the store? Uh, it's been about two years for the full service one. Um, we had kind of a smaller scale one in an office area uh, three years prior to that, but nowhere near uh, any foot traffic that we're getting now and, and, you know, went full bore into a shop. Okay. Very cool. So you've had some, a few years of experience, even before the, the explosion in the hobby, you guys were doing this already, right? Um, yeah. What what made you want to start a card shop to begin with? Um, I mean, just being breakers first, you know, not being able to really meet collectors. You know, you can see a screen name. I'm talking. They're typing. You know, having a card shop where people can kind of come in and build that community in your own area. Or you know, we're actually you know we have Levi Stadium down the street, so we get a lot of people coming in for games that you know find us and come in when they're on their vacations. Uh, in the area and, you know, remember us from the breaks or or the podcast and, you know, come in and check out the store. And that was one of the reasons, the big reason was to be able to, uh, you know, meet people and to, um, you know, offer a wide range of product as well. Okay. Very cool. Um, The, one of the reasons why we were even doing this is like trying to get the perspective of the card shop owner in the current market, you know, like what, uh, what they see as far as, uh, foot traffic goes, is there been, uh, an uptick, a downturn, you know, was for money going through the door. What would you say? Um, I'd like to get two perspectives. I'd like to get, what would you say? Like maybe at the beginning of the year and then compare that maybe to the last month or two, any differences or, uh, challenges. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously with black Friday, running a lot of promotions, running stuff throughout November. It's been a really busy month for us as people get, you know, loaded up for stocking stuffers or just want to, uh, take advantage of great deals. So, uh, you know, it's definitely challenging into a store. So you need to, you know, set yourself apart. You need to offer compelling products. So beginning of the year was probably a little bit slower, like most will say. 
Um, but it's just trying to create promotions to get people in the store, whether it be a trade night. Uh, Tops did a great job with the uh, rip night where we had an athlete from Stanford come down, open some packs, conversate with the collectors. Uh, we've had, you know, watch parties for Monday night games because Mondays are technically a little bit more on the slower side. So trying to keep the doors open a little longer, watch some games. So uh, it's definitely trying to get uh, creative. And uh, we offer, we're tied in with Shopify. So, you know, customers can also order their boxes online and set it up for pickup if they want to make sure if there's like, you know, one or two stock left that they get that box and they can come in and pick it up and either open it in the store or take it home. Okay. Well, so you said something interesting. You said maybe it was like a little slower at the beginning of the year. I think a lot of people have said over the last month or two, maybe they've seen, it seems like a little bit slower now, especially, you know, this is a time of year anyways, where things start to slow down with people, you know, pausing for the holidays, you know, buying gifts and all that stuff. And then things kind of pick back up in, in January. What has been your experience? Did you notice that at all? Have you noticed any kind of slowdown? Um, yeah, there was a slowdown. Like I said, there was a little bit of slowdown in January, but it's, you know, a lot of it was adjusting to the price, like, you know, making sure that we're on market, you know, or below market if we need to move it. I think a lot of shops get caught up in the fact that I paid $250 for this box and it's now selling for $150. I'm keeping at $250. So it's not going to sell. So you have to, you know, not only offer great customer service, but you have to you know, get prices competitive and offer, you know, deals and being able to like move stuff at losses to bring that stuff, bring stuff back in that maybe people want. Okay. So yeah, uh, the beginning of the year, there was a slowdown, but nothing in the last month or two that you, you haven't noticed a difference. No, not okay. really. I mean, I think we're going to have our biggest year in the store out of this is actually our third year now. And, um, we've, we've climbed, uh, from year one to year three. Now we've actually gained, we've gained overall in sales. See, I love to hear that. Like, I'm really glad because that's been like a, a rumor. It's not like and no one's been able to point to anything that says like, for sure, the market has slowed down or more people have like stepped out or, or they're spending less or anything like that. I'm glad to know from at least from this point of view, from your card shop, that it's not the case. Um, if you are a, a card shop owner, how important is having extra space to do things like you talked about, like watch parties and things like that. Do you wish you had more space to do that? Uh, if you could redo it or if you ever revamp the shop? Absolutely. I mean, so our building is 4,000 square feet, but our shop is about 800 square feet. So, you know, we wish we did have a little bit more space for uh, bigger events. I mean, we're actually really big in Pokemon in this area as well and One Piece and, you know, the, a lot of those gaming stuff. So, you know, trying to run tournaments, it's, we're a little bit, uh, you know, restrained in our space. I mean, we still run them, but, you know, we can't have, you know, full, huge level, um, uh, you know, things like that. And also, we don't sell singles. We focus only on wax. We have um, arcade games in the store. We have a gigantic 100-foot, like, four-screen TV that we can have four different games on. So we try to have a little bit more of a minimalist as far as product and more of an ambiance for the people that want to come in and rip because we're by a paint store and we're by a, like a refrigeration store. So if they're coming to us, they're coming to us for a reason. No, so they're not, I, they're there's not gotta be a lot of paint us. guys love and cards too. I gotta imagine that's the same <laughs> demographic. Um, actually that's funny. Cause Mike used to be a painter. So yeah, it kind of is. Um, so that's the, the reason I asked that too is because I know our local card shop, they they talked about some ideas of expansion and wanting to do, and, and some have talked about this already, is like they are now hosting like 
you know, either birthday parties or just like Super Bowl get together or whatever it is, like some kind of event hosting place that you can not only have maybe a sports theme party or just just a party in general. And then, you know, segue that into, hey, while you're here, you want to, you know, check out some games, some Pokemon, some cards, some whatever the case may be. I think that's got to be like the the future of most card shops. Would you agree? A hundred percent. You're not just going to be able to sit there and just hope for people to come in, you know, offering different types of events. I mean, I even had an idea, maybe fantasy football parties, right? Or fantasy baseball using sports events. I mean, and it, you could even monetize it if you wanted to saying, you know, hey, you guys pay this, we'll have the space because like for us, we're open until six, but it, maybe if somebody wants to book from like six to 10 or something, have a private party. We've always had that idea in the works. And I think that's a, a really valuable tool for shops to be able to use your space for hobbyists. And, you know, maybe the box sales come separate, but at the very least, you know, you've got maybe 12 to 15 people in your store who are going to comment to their friends next time they hear about, oh, you know, little Billy likes Pokemon or, you know, Bobby likes series two, they're going to say, Hey, you know, I was at Mojo break for a party. They have all of that, you know? So it's all about just making, you know, people more aware of where you're at, what you have. All right. Since it's me hosting, I'm going to ask this question. How, how successful is like Lorcana in your shop? Or do you even have any, is it sold out? You know, it was tough to get it first. We only got like three or four boxes. Um, so there was a lot of demand for it. And uh, the second wave, we've gotten more. And um, it's, yeah, it's selling through like crazy. Have you hosted any price. games? Like, do you, do people play at your shop? Not for Lorcana, but we have done One Piece. We have done uh, Pokemon. We've had games going on in the store for that stuff. So, because uh, a lot of that stuff is tied into some of like, I think One Piece offers a, a, you know, a couple day early if you host a tournament and those people are coming in and playing a tournament. So it's, you know, those guys are coming in knowing that they're going to be able to see the product a little bit early and get into some games and stuff like that. Do me a favor, because I this is one uh, part of the the TCG non-sport area that I have not talked about at all, but it keeps coming up lately. There seems to be like a real um, interest in one piece set. Can you explain just a little bit about what that is? Yeah, I wish I could. Um, I, <laughs> no, I, I can't. Mojo Thank Break, you. I have Mojo Break Gaming <laughs> that is an expert in that. So <laughs> you could ask me anything about sports cards. I mean, I, I obviously see the demand with it, but as far as like, why the demand is there, I can't. I no. don't have an answer for you on that. Okay. So I wish All I right. That's fair enough. I put you on the spot and that's my bad. But I do think that One Piece is a, a growing, it's a, it was based on like an anime cartoon or something, right? And then, do you know that at least? Yeah, I think that's the case. And then now some of those cards, I, someone messaged me the other day that to check out that market because they've been on the rise quite a bit lately. Um, okay. That, Beside the point, but thank you. We still do a lot more Pokemon, I would say, is, you know, number one as far as gaming. I mean, there's a lot of releases coming out with that. So, you know, Pokemon's majority of our gaming business. And, you know, they make those nice tins, those, you know, balls and stuff like that for the kids that are, you know, eight to ten bucks that are nice little, you know, come and spend your allowance on. So they do a good job of having, you know, those low price products compared to trying to sell a Donruss box for like two fifty, you know, not your average kid's going to come in and buy that kind of stuff. So what would you say like your top selling uh, product is as far as uh, I'm sorry, sport is baseball, football, or uh, basketball. You know, it's been baseball across the board. I think tops has done a, an amazing job with their marketing. Um, I, I laughed when, when Ruben came out and said, you know, this industry hasn't been marketed. And I was like, wait a second, I've been doing this for 10 years. And then <laughs> he was right. I mean, they've came out and they've had some really good programs for the shop, the rip night, um, and, you know, getting the word out there for Chrome update, you know, doing those videos and all their promotion around the players, having the all-star game, 
all that kind of stuff that I think has driven people into the store, knowing about the bounties they have, knowing what's in the product more so. So when they come in, they're a little bit more educated and they say, hey, do you guys have Chrome Update or do you have Heritage? So I think the baseball category has been doing pretty well. The football and basketball has, I'd say a year and a half ago, was probably our number one in store. But I think the cloud around, uh, am I going to get a CJ Stroud in this? Uh, Auto, no. You know, okay. I heard Panini. Are are they going to fulfill redemptions? Yes, they will. You know, so I think people have been kind of, especially with the great rookie class of baseball with Corbin Carroll, Adley, Gunner. I think everybody's been, uh, the majority of our sales as the last three months have been baseball. Okay. I'm glad to hear that because I think that's another one of those points that we keep assuming that's the case. But, uh, and based on, a lot of numbers as far as, you know, sales numbers that we've done recently on like some uh, past segments like ROI between a baseball and like a football or a baseball and a basketball product. It does seem like there are more sales of baseball overall. And that just kind of goes to the point of you made. And I think I know why Mike's not here. He's working on a repack, right? He's got a repacker now. So. <laughs> he does do a repack, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's beside the point. We're, we already discussed that. Don't go throwing back to old topics, Doug. <laughs> uh, and hey, we had to talk about it yesterday. Cause I, we always are the last ones. Cause it seems like it falls on our, we record on Wednesday, Oh yeah. but everybody and their mom were talking about it. Yeah. I listen to your guys' podcast on it, but yeah, we do repacks too. It's just, very small percentage uh, finding finding the time to do them is is what the tough part is i think like everything it's all in how it's done you know there's bad stuff and there's there's bad repacks and there's good repacks how is it done how is it marketed what kind of information you have who's running it all that kind of thing transparency i can't ima- i can't and i know we're getting off topic here but it was fresh in my mind from yesterday was none of these guys number their boxes or where are they coming from like when we do a repack we ran we random everything down from the box to the case that we're doing at the moment so that it's you know we're not we've had we may have packed it we know what's in it but the randomizer is going to decide which case or which box is being chosen at that moment oh very cool okay um yeah that uh is interesting to know too because the ruben interview on simmons i talked about it a few minutes ago where uh ruben was talking about how the randomization of boxes has been important to them to the point where they're hiring third party um independent, uh, uh, what is the term? Like auditors to, to make sure that nothing is getting low. No one's getting loaded boxes or anything. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to listen to that. I chose to listen to your guys' first. So, you know, and it's as, the as smartest as decision you've ever made. I can just say that <laughs> clearly with no doubt. Um, all right. Well, I know we're about to, I, I've promised Jason Flynn an opportunity to come on and talk a little bit about F1 and the fiasco there. But, um, I did want to last question, Going forward into the future, maybe it's in the next year, next two, next three years. What are your feelings on the overall hobby? Any um, opportunities or challenges you see? Um, there's definitely going to be a lot of challenges, um, as most would, would see. I mean, I'm, I'm part of these sports card store forums. And, you know, just getting out of your comfort zone to try to figure out ideas to get people in the store. I mean, with distribution the way that it is with Panini product, it's really hard to get Panini product. They're still holding on to prices that are you know, from 2020, 21. So it's, it's definitely hard for breakers and shop owners to carry Panini product at this moment because of the, the way the distribution is happening. So, I mean, I think there unfortunately is going to be some casualties that are in it now that aren't going to be here next year. But I do believe that the industry is going to kind of level out and the ones that are here are going to be stronger. And the ones, the hobbyists are going to get better value than I believe that they're getting now. Um, with some of these products that are still, you know, kind of at an inflated price. 
And uh, we'll, the industry will react knowing that these things aren't going to be able to sell at the price they're asking on some of these. Okay. All right. Well, that's a really negative outlook. And I thank you for ending it that <laughs> no, way, I mean, Doug. Thank I, you. I, I, it's, it's a positive <laughs> in a sense that I think that you need to consolidate um, sellers. And there's a lot of sellers they, like like us. We don't, we don't sell cases to other breakers or we don't distribute our product to people that are then going to upsell theirs. Like we rip 100% of our product or it's in the store for people to buy. So I think there's a level of, you know, this that's causing these prices to go up. So I'm just saying, if you like, you stick around, you build your clientele, you're in a shop, get online. I mean, get your shop online. There's a million stores that aren't online. So you can able to ship around the world through Shopify with your POS. So just, you know, get on, get in there, try to create captivating events and the hobby will continue to grow. But I think there's going to be some casualties in the meantime. Awesome. Doug, thank you very much for joining, especially a little last minute, but no I love problem, the man. perspective of the the local card shop owner. You're uh, you're always a gem to work with uh, podcast-wise, and today was no different. Thank you. Tell Dan we said, hey, give him a hug for us. Let him let, tell him I want to wear his jacket next time I see him. And uh, <laughs> that's that. We're, we're, that's for sure. <laughs> that's we for sure. Do that. All right. And uh, it looks like I got to go uh, go to the office and look up some One Piece. <laughs> Thank so you. Get back to us. <laughs> I'll be I'll be on the show for the next thirty minutes. Call me back. Okay. Goodbye. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks, Doug. All right. There you go, Doug from Mojo Breaks. That segment was brought to you by Columbia Hobby. Um, I think that's how we're going to do this. Columbia Hobby is our, our local card shop uh, that we we work with a lot just for hobby supplies. He's our hobby supply guy. If you go to ColumbiaHobby.com, nonsense, 10% discount code on uh, your sleeves, your, your cases for your footballs, basically any card supply you need. Um, that brings us to the part of the show that I don't, I guess the, the gluttons for punishment are really excited for, cause we're going to talk about F1 and soccer with our boy, Jason Flynn from soccer cards United, who joins us right now, Jason, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm delighted to be back on the show. Uh, my main thing was, it feels like only yesterday that we did our F1 season preview. And now here we are at the end of the season. Where's the year gone? I mean, it's like, I feel that this year, uh, F1 specifically, uh, has just flown by and there's been almost no talk about it in the world other than when we had you on. I feel bad because like, I'm not coming into this segment wanting to bash F1, but everything I keep hearing about is just like the market has not been good for a lot of different parts of the hobby, but F1 has suffered along with that, maybe even more so. And so maybe you can clear up some of those misconceptions that I've been holding on to, maybe others have been holding on to, and, and tell us what the what the 411 is with that market. Yeah, look, I, I'm not um I'm not an F1 apologist. I, I come to F1 kind of late. Um I'm into the cards and kind of got into the, into the sport through that. Um and I have a lot of friends who are deep into it. Um, so I'm, I'm not I'm not kind of a, a loyalist that's going to get offended if we say that the the market is down. Um, what's happening in the F1 market is a few things. So obviously we're at the end of the season. The reason you didn't hear much was that most races lacked jeopardy. Max Verstappen ran away with the championship. Um, he finished with like you know basically double his teammates' points, uh, Sergio Perez. So you know that that's one main thing. That'll do it. Yeah, no competition is definitely going to not breed a lot of interest in in that, especially where it's already hard to gain interest here in the states. Yeah, look, and and like the sport has gone through 
many, many different periods of dominance before. We've had Michael Schumacher dominating, we've had Lewis Hamilton dominating, we're having Max Verstappen dominating. And, you know, um, the problem is that people kind of came into it in a particularly, the kind of eyes of the world turned to F1 in a transitional period when, you know, Max was kind of wresting the crown from Lewis. Um, And so that's the level of jeopardy people got used to. And so when you go back, it's like when you, it's like watching the World Cup in soccer versus watching the Premier League. It's like everyone can understand this is a World Cup final. Max, it doesn't matter if you like the sport, you don't like the sport. I can watch the Super Bowl and it doesn't matter that I don't know who the teams are, the players are. I understand this is the pinnacle of this sport. Um, but if you go, if you ask me to just watch, you know, a random Monday night football, I, I'm going to struggle. Um, so that's kind of the effect we've been having. So do you foresee that this is going to be just an ongoing thing? Or do you think that, you know, maybe next season it, we see a little more challenge, some more challengers step up or what, what are your, I guess, uh, view on the future of the hobby for F1? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, while all this has been going on, it may not be kind of uh, growing in the mainstream in the hobby, but the F1 hobby itself is developing all the time. Um, so, for instance, Oscar Piastri, uh, who we spoke about as one of the rookies who might might go on to have a good season, you know, at the beginning of the year, he did have a good season. Um, a driving from McLaren kind of held his own very well. Um, should have probably got a better result in the last weekend of the year in Abu Dhabi just there than he did. Um, but his cards, we've just seen the first, he has a Tops Now, I think, with a rookie logo. And then we saw this uh, set come out of Tops Italy, which was Formula One Eccellenza, um, which is kind of like thick, uh, almost like Inception style cards. And Piastri's rookie base cards, you know, were kind of going for like $40 out of that set. And so when 2023 Tops Chrome Formula One comes and Sapphire, we can expect him to have a, there is a significant rookie chase in there. And we've also had uh, uh, Guan Yu Zhou, uh, the Chinese driver. His market is extremely healthy, obviously being driven by the Chinese market. Um, and we've seen stuff like Legend Autos introduced by Tops. So F1 Legends coming in and we have Nigel Mansell, Alan Prost, David Coulthard. So these kind of guys. So like, although it's maybe not growing in terms of the market cap of the F1 hobby, internally the market is getting more and more complex all the time. People are spending their money in kind of more and more interesting ways. And so it is a healthy market. It's just that kind of thing of like, I think some people were promised that this was the next big thing. And 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 it and it it wasn't, but it very rarely is. I would just mean F1. That's if 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 everyone is kind of telling you, oh no, this is the next big thing. I mean, how many times have we seen that that lasts for a few <laughs> months and then goes back to normal? Well, that's, that's kind of what it, to do with F1. Yeah, that was like the one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about it because that fe- it felt like that was a thing for a while. It was like, you know, everyone's looking for what's the sport that comes after hockey, I guess. You know, if you considered basketball, football, baseball, like the top three sports, then most people would say hockey is the next. And then, okay, what a, whatever would be after that is kind of up in the air. And I think F1 for a little bit was that, but now it does seem to, have, that was just another one of, like you said, just another one of those it uh, uh, parts of the hobby for the moment. And then maybe that subsides, but it doesn't mean that it's dead. It sounds like it's just, you know, like you said, subsiding. I mean, like the 2020 F1 stuff was fantastically successful. And 2021 came out at prices that were unsustainable. And since then, it's kind of been, you know, we had a huge build and then a pretty big, uh, fall off and now it's growing mo- in a much more sustainable way which is over the course of years as opposed to over the course of you know from one product to another 
the print one and the prices go crazy. Okay. So that's a good update on F1. I appreciate it. I wanted to talk to you about uh, a little bit about soccer too, just to get a quick update there. But before we did, I am curious, I would love also maybe if you, and this is putting you on the spot because I didn't ask you beforehand, but maybe like just a European market update. You know, here I talked with our, our last guest um, a few minutes ago about how we've seen a little bit of a, it seemed like there was a little bit of a downturn. Maybe that's leveling off, maybe coming back a little bit over the last month or two as far as uh, overall participation in the hobby goes, maybe less buyers or maybe just less uh, tra foot traffic. And he he pointed out like in his local car shop out in California, he hasn't really seen that as often. I'm just curious, uh, you guys go to a number, you and Enzo go to a number of card shows and not just, you know, in your local country of Ireland, but in England and Germany and other places, what have you seen? Anything you've heard about in the last month or two, maybe? Yeah, look, we're growing. Um, obviously in the, in the States, it's slightly different because I know, uh, it was already a huge, uh, market pre, uh, pre COVID boom and kind of pre like 2018 kind of time as well. Um, and then it maybe reached a saturation point and there's been a market correction. Um, we have a long, long, long way to go before we're saturated. Do you know I mean? We are still in a situation where we're telling people, you know, there's this card collecting thing and they're like, what is this? And you know, all that stuff. Like we're still telling people, I'm still telling people, you know, like baseball cards that you see in American TV shows. And they're like, oh yeah. So as long as I'm using baseball as an example in countries where baseball isn't even played, that we have a, we have a long way to go. And we're seeing card shows pop up all over the place. We were just at London, uh, the London card show last weekend. And that was their 10th show, I believe. And they had, you know, a few thousand people in over the course of the weekend. Uh, we're going to Dusseldorf uh, tomorrow for a show called Card Madness, um, which I think is like 400 tables or something. So um, the demand is growing in Europe. Uh, it is getting more mature. You know, people aren't, people have kind of stopped buying everything. Um, but like we're even seeing when we first started, the European market started growing. It was all kind of soccer, soccer and F1. But I, we're getting more and more messages now from people saying, hey, where can I get NBA stuff? Where can I get NFL stuff? Oh, um, wow. Okay, that's cool. So it's actually starting to percolate because there's always been pockets of fans. Like, you know, we had a, a guy recently say, uh, an Irish guy, say he had lived in Canada for 10 or 15 years, came home recently and wanted to know where he could get upper deck hockey stuff because he's kind of been on that kind of cultural exchange program. That kind of leads me to my other question. Then like with this increase in demand, whether it's hockey or football or basketball, have you seen more product come available? Cause I know at one time that was a big thing is just there. You couldn't find much over there. Yeah. So like, um, it depends on what manufacturer you're talking about. So tops, uh, right now have more product, uh, in have made Europe a priority in a way that Panini, uh, haven't really. Um, so, we're seeing like there's a lot more soccer. Obviously, it's demand based, um, but there's a lot more like top soccer product and stuff like that available in Europe than there is Panini, NFL, NBA, UFC, stuff like that. Um, and I guess they just have different ways to distribute their, you know, model works. Um, but it's it's growing, and there's more and more like you walk around card shows now in Europe, and you go, oh, you have uh, basketball prism 2019, or you have, you know, the new NFL draft product or whatever it may be. Um, and you're also seeing more and more people who are actually, who have grown out of the flipping phase and are actually collectors, like people coming up saying, Hey, I collect color blast from this year. I have eight of them. Do you have the ninth one? 
and happily walking around all day looking oh, for wow. that, that card they don't have. For me, that that's is like, awesome. That's the sign of actual collecting. Yeah, absolutely. And unless you have people doing that at scale, then you really just have people who are going to come and go based on how much opportunity to flip they think there is. Yeah, I think like, I mean, anybody who collects cards can be called a collector. But for some reason, in my mind, when I think of like a, a true collector, it's like someone who's a, a set collector. I feel like that's like the the truest, most unadulterated form of collecting is the set collector. And it's like the most, it's probably the one that gets like the the least amount of love in a, a lot of cases. But it is something that I think like if you start seeing that in your area, then obviously there's probably some potential for for true fans of of the hobby, not just flippers. Well, that's it. Like, I mean, set collecting is something that we haven't, you know, we would have had set collecting with stickers and with things like that. Um, but because of the way it's difficult to get cards in and or has been historically to get cards to Europe, but then also to get them around moving around Europe, set collecting has been something that's been quite difficult. But now we're seeing people who are starting to build that set collecting uh, tradition up, which is very healthy. Someone says, I am collecting every green parallel from the base set of 2020 Topps Chrome. That is like good. <laughs> Best of luck with that, sir. You're exactly That's who we good. need. As yeah. opposed to somebody saying, I'm collecting whatever, I'm collecting this week, whatever I think I can make money on next week. That's great. And that is that is a legitimate part of the hobby. And it's one that I have enjoyed, everyone enjoys. But that's not necessarily the people who's going to come back. You know, if they find out that they can get a sneaker drop, they have a link for a sneaker drop, they might spend their money one month on that instead. But the people who are set collecting are going to be here weeks, months, years after that. All right. Well, with that in mind, who can I make money on in soccer? <laughs> All right. Forget the collector. What's going on in soccer? How uh, are people, is that that part of the hobby? I know like when we talked about it earlier, when you were on last, it was a little slower and I don't know. It, it, it with Messi uh, being here in the states, I know there's been a lot of fanfare. There's been a lot of excitement around uh, MLS games. But I'm just curious the overall hobby side of things. How have things been going there? Yeah. Well, one thing uh, we've kind of recently we had the 22, 23 product uh, all come out kind of over the summer, and when you're in the thick of it like that, and there's like seems like just three products a week coming out for the you know over three months. Everyone can get quite jaded. Um, but we're now looking at, we're a few months into the 23-24 soccer season. And it's now kind of emerging that the 22-23 rookie class was the strongest one we've had since the Jude Bellingham rookie class, which is 2020-21. So we had a good year. Then we had a really good year. Then we had a kind of a off year. And now we're having a really good year again. So like the rookies from 22-23, obviously Julian Alvarez, who won the World Cup with Argentina and won the treble at Manchester City. Uh, Enzo Fernandez, who who won the World Cup with Argentina and then moved to Chelsea for 100 million euros. You have uh, the likes of Kavicha Kavatskalia, who won the, the uh, title with Napoli, brought the Italian title back to Naples. Um, Alejandro Garnacho, the young Irish player, Evan Ferguson. So like 22-23 sealed product is actually holding quite well. and there are kind of pockets of, of interest in the likes of Alejandro Garnacho, for instance, plays for Manchester United. And okay, he didn't impress at the World Cup the way Enzo Fernandez or uh, Julian Alvarez did. But the other day, he scored an overhead, an incredible overhead kick uh, in a match against Everton in the Premier League. Oh, I think I and saw his, a clip of that. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It was a goal of the season. Um, and he had had 
he had three or four of the shots throughout the game and none of them were where he meant to put them. So it may have been a fluke, but that doesn't matter. It was a spectacular goal. <laughs> we'll ignore and that. We, we'll ignore that. <laughs> yeah. And we saw his prices move, um, which is like the sign of a healthy market. I was going like to say, that's are, actually a good thing. And it sounds like, uh, you know, of course they would move, but lately it seems like someone can perform really well and nothing happens. So the fact that it did is positive. Yeah. So like we're, we're seeing kind of that happen. Um, because there are, it's just kind of a case of having enough buyers, but also you need, prior to that, his, his prices have been a bit deflated. So when I say his prices moved, maybe they moved up to where they were when his initial hype was 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 going, but that's okay. Like, it's okay to have peaks and troughs. Um, but I think that's something that we're kind of still getting used to in soccer is like, okay, you'll probably have a bit of hype for this, this kid and he'll burst onto the scene and then he'll, you know, drift away for a little bit and then he might do something spectacular and then boom, he's up again. And it kind of becomes that game of, you know, can you buy low and sell high? Yeah. Well, the one of the reasons, too, that soccer was on my mind and wanting you to talk about it a little more was just because if, uh, you know, card ladder, we use the indexes a lot just to kind of give an overall idea of what's happening in that part of the market. And for the last year, I mean, honestly, for the last year, the soccer market, just like for the most part, for almost every other category, too. So it's not just soccer, but it has been going on a steady decline. You know, it's been going down. However, it's since about early November for the first time in this last year, it's actually started to come back up as if maybe we hit that bottom. Cause it's not, it hasn't been like a spike back up. It's just been like, okay, well now you've seen multiple steady increases in that part of the, the market as far as overall pricing and sales go. So it did make me hopeful that, you know, maybe we're seeing a little bit of a turnaround on that side of things. Yeah, well, obviously this time last year we had the World Cup was on. So that was obviously, that was a, a high for soccer. So you're going to see a decrease after that. And then we had, you know, uh, a lot of different products coming out. Um, so that's, the market tends to be, the money goes towards the the wax instead of the cards when you get such a kind of, you know, uh, rapid fire of releases. But also like you think about how much soccer money is tied up in Cristiano Ronaldo. A massive amount of soccer money tied up Cristiano Ronaldo, and he's been playing in Saudi Arabia. Sure, yeah, you know, so like, even if you just took all of the Cristiano Ronaldo cards, his prices are down. But between twenty fourteen and twenty, you know, twenty two, before the World Cup, say, uh, how much money was going into Cristiano Ronaldo as an overall percentage of the soccer market? A huge amount. Absolutely, it had to be. Yeah. So you know, that's like it would be like, I don't know if if. Tesla or Google or Meta took a hit on the stock market. The stock market in general might might feel he's kind of the, one of the he's one of the what do they call them a blue like, chip stock? Is that a phrase? Yeah, yeah, know, a stock. Yeah? yeah, okay, fine. He's, <laughs> he's like an anchor point for that sector of the hobby. And if it the that phrase you know a rising tide raises all ships, well, a lowering tide lowers all ships too. So yeah, I don't want to blame him completely, but I'm just saying that is fault. a factor. The World Cup is a, fa- a factor. All this other stuff is a factor. Um, Jason Flynn, why have Mike and I never been invited to your podcast? Well, I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> Are you glad? So, so we have a, we don't have guests. Okay. We don't so, have guests. We have a no guest policy. I don't care. I want to come on. Yeah. I had you on multiple live. We, we, we were ripping NFT packs for Panini. We've had you I on know. the show. You, we've talked in person. I feel like we're best friends. Yep. I want to go on an Irish podcast. I I know I, you know and I really wish I could say it's my bucket I could list. say no problem but if I if I open the floodgates 
Uh-huh. I'm going to spend all day answering emails. So I'm pretty firm on it. <laughs> However, we do have, I don't know if you heard about this. We do have the Dublin card show in February. Okay. Are you formally inviting me to that? Is that what that so is? So I'm formally inviting you to the Dublin card show in February. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking a well, lot about it. Dublin you know, we can, card show, February. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, February 24th. Guys, for all you listeners, we did find out we got our Spotify rap, uh, which just tells everybody like how many people listen to you and where and all that. And it said we are listened to in 54 different countries. Um, it did say UK was in the top five. I don't know. It did not specifically say Ireland, but, you know, I, let's just say it definitely was Ireland. So I think, I, think I have I've been, you know, to we have trade nights here and stuff and people say, yeah, I heard you on sports card nonsense. They say to me. No, they did not. Tell me they, they do. did. They say that, yeah. They you're, did? You guys are a big deal. Shut up. Stop trying to feed my ego. Fine, <laughs> you can come back again, I guess. You don't need to come on my podcast. You guys are doing well <laughs> enough as it is. Uh, well, you know, the numbers did look pretty good in that Spotify rap. I'm not going to lie. But it, that's not the point. I, I want you to know, I appreciate you coming on, especially short notice. I wanted to uh, mention one thing. When we were doing... Um, the, the talk of like what we're going to talk about. I do the PWCC. Well, Mike and I do the PWCC weekly review. I asked you specifically, are there any good deals in this week's, you know, uh, auctions that might be something I myself or someone else want to look at? Did you happen to find any? Yeah, I did. Oh, thank and goodness. Cause if you said no, I was about to say that was the worst <laughs> transition ever. Okay. What did you, what did you find? So on the Formula One side, I was having a look at, there are two, um, I believe they're both, yeah, two red of five uh, team logos. So there's a Renault logo and an Alfa Romeo logo. Do the team logos do well usually? Yeah. So the team logos were a thing in 2020 F1 product. Okay. But they did not repeat them. They have not repeated them thus far. So there are none in 2021 and none in 2022. So this is a a rare case of, I've always been kind of more of a like, you know, invest in the player, invest in the driver, whatever it may be. But this is a case where I would say I've seen enough evidence to invest in these as actual cards because there are people who want to collect the sets of these. The the off-50s, the off-25s all do very, very well. Um, And again, even the kind of, less grand teams uh, have a strong market for these because they are such a, going back to that set collecting thing, somebody wants all the red logos or somebody wants all the Renault logos, wants to do a rainbow, whatever it may be. These are like very strong collectibles that have not been repeated over the next couple of years of Formula One product. So they're kind of a little sleeper hit. Were those the ones that are out of five currently listed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the red, the yeah. Red ones out of five, so it's yeah. only like one of the Renault is what, $22? The other one... Romeo is $23. Yeah, so relatively yeah. So I just, affordable. I was looking at like so. some comps elsewhere, not on PWCs, just elsewhere. And like the the prices are strong for, for numbered uh, logos. So I imagine they'll go up. And they certainly will now. Um, but I think they're a strong investment because when we go to card shows, we put out some, you know, even like a base Sapphire logo of a, of a Ferrari or a Mercedes will get interest. Um, so they're, they're pretty strong. The 2020 Topps Chrome Formula One refractor of Verstappen. It's a PSA 10 for $23. I mean, granted, it's got to go up, but what I should buy that card, right? Like, I mean, if he's, if he was the best, uh, this year, I mean, obviously it sounds like I'd be foolish not to, cause isn't that, was that his rookie year or am I getting that wrong? Yeah. Yeah. 2020 is, is the first year of, of Chrome of, 
uh, tops F1 stuff. So that's a refractor. Is it PSA 10? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only thing about that is like you would obviously have, um, you're kind of investing in, in Verstappen. That's the kind of thing that if you had 10 of them or 20 of them, maybe, you know, because the 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 ceiling on that, who knows how high it's going to be for, for a refractor. And probably refractors are more rare in F1 than other sports. Um, but as I say, my kind of like, Sleeper picks would be more like the the logos. Okay, the logos. Uh, I mean, the fact that they're out of five alone, that's pretty cool. But um, okay, very cool. I've got my, a few I'm going to share with the audience myself, but I don't have to keep you around for that unless you just want to hang out. I also out. have a couple of soccer ones. Unless oh, you, you wanna... do? Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, please. Um, so most of the cards on the auction are graded, but there's a 2017 Immaculate uh, Cristiano Ronaldo patch uh, for Real Madrid, which is a pretty phenomenal patch. A lot of color in it. Um, and it's certified authentic by MBA, but that's not oh, why I okay. picked it. Um, it's at $210 currently, um, but it is player worn. Ooh, okay. Very and cool. In soccer, we do not have enough player worn, uh, let alone match worn um, things. So to get a 2017 immaculate player worn Cristiano Ronaldo, I think it's off seven. Yeah, it is. And it's and it's to, uh, currently at two hundred and ten dollars. That seems low to me. It's also one of those things where he was still at Real Madrid in twenty seventeen, um, before he moved to Juventus. And um, if I compare that to my other soccer pick, which is the twenty eighteen Panini treble uh, Lionel Messi autograph, which is the World Cup sticker inserted into the card. I don't know if you've seen these. The World Cup sticker in the card, like it's an actual sticker. That's yeah. So that they they got us they. Leo Messi signed the sticker and then they put the sticker in the card. That's oh, very cool. that's cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Um, so that's a BGS nine with a 10 autograph. And obviously it's an on-card autograph as well. And um, what's that going for? That is currently at $360. So that one that's you're, you're saying $360 is a decent purchase price. Oh, that for is, that. That's super cheap for that. Okay. Yeah, so that's yeah, probably that, that going to go up. That should be four figures. Oh um, wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, so maybe basically, I just the, throw the reason I picked the 2018 treble and the 2017 immaculate, and the fact that it's that patch for Ronaldo and it's a uh, World Cup sticker for Messi's in his Argentina kit. In soccer right now, we're seeing like Cristiano Ronaldo is in product at the moment, but for as kind of a legend, so he's in it with like a his Sporting Lisbon uh, kit on, which is his first club that he played for in Portugal, and we're going to see a lot of that over the course of these guys. Uh, careers and their then the rest of their lives we're going to see cards being made for various players in different kits they played in throughout the years with sticker autographs with maybe you know both of these 2017 immaculate 2018 panini treble these cards cannot be replicated they will not be making any more of these even if they wanted to you know what i mean they have genuine kind of uh pedigree as soccer cards and i think that's a smart place to put your money right now kind of like the 2020 uh formula one logos is like stuff that are Things that are kind of, I don't know what you would call them, because I don't want to be a little the stuff that's coming out now, but that are kind of like not easily redone. The population of this kind of stuff can never grow by that much. Uh, okay, makes sense. Uh, the fact that you gave such an impassioned uh, reply of this messy and, and just the those cards in general, I've gone ahead and tried to put a bid on that messy card. Um, I've now raised it. It's now $400 uh, because... I've been audit. Some whoever bid on this before me is uh, obviously set a max bid much higher. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. 
I'm about to put 700 on there. Let me see what it does. Okay, that's seven hundred dollars. If I, oh, I'm highest bidder. All right, all right. That could be my card. We'll see. And if PWCC wanted to just send me my check at the post for the commission, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah, it's it's in the mail actually, so you're all set. Um, that I will. I don't know. I was going to ask you this um, off air because this is something like a little cheesy. The card that I chose, uh, I had a few, but I'm just going to share one of them today. Do you ever look at a card and it like immediately like takes you somewhere in your past? Like, cause did you collect when you were younger? Yeah. I collected like stickers and stuff like that. Yeah. Matches hacks, stuff like that. So like, do you ever see like a sticker or any uh, pack like that, that I, I, and the reason I say this, cause I found this like 1990 pro set, uh, Emmett Smith rookie. It's like a, it shows a PSA eight. It's only, it doesn't even have a bit on there. So it's like five bucks right now. Okay. I saw this card and like, it's such a weird thing to say, and it's almost like too vulnerable, but it reminded me of a time before my parents got divorced. And it was just like, oh, wow. It was like, yeah, like, I mean, because I got, I think I was like 12 or something like that, 11 or 12. And, but it just like reminded me of like home. It was, it's such a weird feeling to, to have with a sports card that I don't know if I have really experienced before. And I know I had this card and seeing this card it was something so nostalgic that hit me so hard that I was just like, I wonder if anybody else like ever has this or I'm, I'm just being a weirdo. So I was just curious. No, I have that. Like <laughs> for me, it's like, it's all about, well, not always, but most of the time it's about the, the kit or I guess what you guys sure. call the uniform that they're wearing. <laughs> Thank you um, for dumbing it down. But yes, that is, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but like, if I see, like, if I see a card from, you know, maybe like a, one of the Man United upper deck cards from like the late nineties, early two thousands or a, a football sticker from, you know, the kind of, again, late nineties, early two thousands kind of era when I was a child like that, that would like kind of take me back immediately. Um, and I kind of just, oftentimes what I think is like, Oh my God, things were so much more simple then. Like I was like, you know, he's a good player. I, and I didn't know like, anything about his personal life. I didn't know anything about his political <laughs> views. I didn't, yeah. you know, like there was nothing. I just knew like kind of like the five guys I liked and that was all. And, that's and now what that if you was. ask about any player, I'm like, well, in 2011, he had a slight ankle sprain and who knows what repercussions <laughs> that will have as he hits his thirties or what, you know what I mean? He was arrested for, for a DUI and then, yeah, yeah, exactly. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like kind of an age of innocence. Yeah. I don't, I, it, Honestly, it kind of like awoken something in me when I saw that Emmett Smith rookie card. But it, I keep going back. I keep looking at it again because it's like it, it keeps evoking this feeling. Yeah, I'm like, am I am I having a breakdown? Do I need to go talk to a psychiatrist? <laughs> I don't know, but it feels good though. I mean, it's a nice feeling. I I will definitely say I am bidding on this card, and I don't want anyone else to bid on it. So please, you know what take would be that a good strategy? Yeah, what? if that was a fake story, if you just really wanted <laughs> this lie. card and you just this said, "Please, this reminds me of my childhood," <laughs> no one else bid, and it's like, <laughs> no, because here's the thing: knowing some of the people who listen, they'd go out and purposely try to buy it out from under me. So the strategy would be as if it was my card and it was all a lie, and I just knew that they were going to try and outbid me. So it just jacked the pricing up. That both both sides equally smart plays, but uh, sadly neither are true. It is an actual real emotion. I know I had an emotion. I'm sorry. Um, but anyways, there you go. 
Uh, Jason Flynn, Soccer Cards United. Tell Enzo we said hi. We still love him. It's just hard to get multiple people on here, but uh, thank you for coming on. That's absolutely fine. And uh, you're very welcome. And maybe we'll see you in Dublin for the Dublin Card Show on February 24th, or maybe not. February 24th? Well, I got to land February 23rd to make sure I can be there. But yeah, no, absolutely. I'm already making plans up here mentally. All right. And then we'll talk off air. There you go. Thank you, Jason. Well, there you go, people. Jason Flynn, always a, a delight to have on the show. He's like an, an Irish spring, if you will. That's a soap bar. If uh, Jason, if you're listening, you may not be familiar with it. It's a it's a beautiful smelling soap bar, but it's a compliment to you. Thank you for joining. Thank you to uh, Doug as well. Before we get into our mailbag, I have to say, I feel really bad. I got a missed call from Mike during the interview, and uh, I I feel like I just need to call him back just real quick. Let's just see. Let's just see what Mike has to say. Hello. <laughs> he is losing his mind. I'm out driving him around. There you go, audience. That's what's happening with Mike right now. I'm sorry. I missed your call, bud. Um, sounds like you you oh, guys we're are live. Coming. We're live. Oh, baby. Did Everyone's you, listening. Did you, did you see this key blaze that fraud? <laughs> the Blaze brothers are putting on a repack to break tomorrow night. <laughs> I did what see that. Fraud. <laughs> That's why Theo's crying. Fraud is like that in the hobby. See, he, he he did all of that oh, just yeah. to gain attention to their repack. That had to have been it. That's, yeah. Vomit. I will be in there comping every card. I have to go. Uh, thank you, bud. Bye. So Mike has a baby. Uh, that's proof of it right there. In case anyone was wondering that, there you go. He does actually have a child. Um, the One other thing before we get to mailbag, actually, I did want to mention, so the reason, one of the other reasons I wanted to talk to Jason about the soccer card market is because I have cards that I listed a long time ago um, with the Panini NFT. The Panini blockchain is still a very vibrant market. Like there's a lot of energy going on there, even uh, especially lately. There's been a lot more people uh, gaining some attention in that space. The marketplace has an option where you can just list a card. It's not for sale. It's just like if you want to take an offer on it, you can. Otherwise, it's just listed as like you own this card. And I listed just a bunch of soccer cards that I had pulled from packs, you know, a year or two ago. And as of lately, I've started just getting offers out of nowhere, like over the last maybe two weeks or so. So I was like, maybe there's some more interest going on there. And then uh, I did talk to our, our Panini guys and they actually, this was kind of interesting. They launched uh, some NFL and NBA packs recently. They're really the guy court who's kind of, spearheading this part of the of Panini's uh, NFT projects. He's really trying to make this a sustainable marketplace and not just like overwhelming you with digital stuff. So if you're not into NFTs, I totally get it. That's fine. But to to know that there is a limitation to a lot of the, this product now, not only in the numbering of the cards that come out, uh, but also just in the number of packs, like the NFL uh, drop that they did yesterday on Wednesday, I think there was like twelve to fifteen hundred packs, something like that, sold out in less than a minute. That I mean, there is there is interest in this space. The uh, NBA packs that came out earlier this week, there was a one of one. There are two different one of one uh, Wimbenyamas in there. The first one has sold. It sold for eight thousand dollars. In the the what people are suspecting right now is the second one because again, Panini does this where. 
the digital card is actually, there are physical cards of these, the digital ones. They think that the other one of one is actually going to sell for more than the, uh, the digital one's going to sell for more than the physical. I think that's pretty impressive. And just a nod to that space. Again, unfortunately, I don't have any packs to, to give out. But again, if you are into that at all, Panini blockchain, if you go to Panini site, they have a blockchain section. You can buy, sell instantly on there, open packs, all that kind of stuff. And then there's uh, challenges. So they do a, a schedule now. You can go out there, see what challenges are coming up to be able to earn rare cards. And then they also do challenges where there's physical prizes involved too, where you can actually get a physical card and things like that. So just wanted to throw that plug in there as well. Mailbag. All right. Mike's not here. We're going to do our best in mailbag today. I think there's a lot of uh, really good questions. Um, I apologize. Cody James, I I don't want to detract from uh, the rest of the show. I don't want to do too much Pokemon. I, I I feel like I'm just known as the Pokemon guy, but I, okay, actually I will answer it. He says, are you excited for Shining Treasures that comes out December 1st? I can't help, but I have to answer it. It is a very, uh, it's talked up a lot. It's just a very uh, exciting product for a lot of people because it's going to have cards that, uh, they just have a, a shiny look to them, but it's typically been popular among both uh, the gameplay guys, the TCGers and collectors uh, slash flippers. I think it's going to be really awesome. I do think that there's going to be a lot of demand right at first. So maybe if you want to wait a couple of weeks and if you're still into it, if you're just trying to collect, then maybe wait till then. And if you're trying to flip, do it fast. That's that's my only thought. Um, Matt Jones, he's still waiting for 2022 select XR seeds, uh, non-autos to be uh, redeemed. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Uh, here's here's a promotion to anybody from Panini listening. Hopefully, those can come out to you very soon. Let's go on. Mean Vong. With the tentative release date on NBA and NFL Prism looking like they're releasing around the same time the next month, if you can only get one hobby box, which one do you go for? I looked this up. I, I, I tried to do a little research before when I read this question. I can't find the NBA release date as of yet, but he's probably right. It's probably going to come out very close to the same time. And I think it comes down to, you know, your 2023 rookies, right? In both NFL and NBA, I started, you know, just trying to to make sure I was up to date on who would be decent polls. And I honestly, I'm going football. I think you got to go football because yes, there's Wimby and yes, there's Chet, you know, uh, those are going to be your big go-to's in the NBA Prism product. But after that, I don't know. There's not really a lot of people to be super excited about. And it's not to say in NFL, there's a ton to be excited about other than CJ Stroud. But there's at least enough QBs in there that if they do start making uh, some improvement, if Anthony Richardson comes back next year uh, fully healthy and just killing it like he was earlier in the season, that's going to be a card I would hold on to if I, I got it. Uh, a Will Levis, there's still potential there. Uh, you know, there's still Aiden O'Connell and, and Tommy DeVito. I know these aren't like the the quarterbacks that everyone was expecting, like I'm going to be chasing after, but you're probably not chasing after Bryce Young so much, but it's just the fact that there's more at least potential, it feels like, in that product than there may be in NBA. So that would be the the reason and the choice I would make would be NFL. 
Uh, let's go. Anthony Real. If SGC offered more services like autograph authentication or ticket grading, do you think that would boost them and bring them close to PSA? Interesting that Anthony asked this question. I had a conversation with uh, SGC yesterday. Funny enough, just an hour or so before this podcast, we just got word that SGC is launching their own podcast. Thanks a lot for the competition. We are now enemies. JK, uh, no, you're good. You're good. But Pete's going to be running it. Like Pete, the the head honcho, the president basically of SGC is going to be running that podcast with some other guys. I think it's going to be interesting. I'm really curious to see how it goes. But um, but that being said, I was talking to another guy with uh, SGC and we kind of got onto that subject of like, you know, what's the future with SGC? What plans? Because things are super busy, especially because they're doing like, you know, the $9 uh, grading services for TCG and they're doing $9 for Bowman. And it's just like, there's a lot of business coming through the door. So it's kind of hard to know what the next big move is, but that was kind of talked about in the sense of, you know, it's not an actual plan. There's nothing coming out as of right now, but those are triggers or levers that can still be pulled as far as like doing additional kinds of grading um, and, and authentication and things like that. So time will tell. I do think that it would probably be a good thing to move in that direction eventually. It's just like when, I don't know, but it, it's definitely something it's nice to know, like they're also thinking about. Colt Benz. Let's see. Uh, under what scenarios do you grade cards for a future sale? He says, example, a card is not worth grading. Uh, however, you anticipate the card growing in value. So you want to have it graded and ready to go. When a baseball prospect gets promoted to the majors, is that an example of when to do that? Um, I think in this scenario, because Here's the thing. We could say you go out and grade anybody you think has potential, right? Like, and that's, that's honestly, it's not the worst idea out there. I, I am of the opinion, if I think there is a shot in the dark that this guy has a stellar season or whatever the case may be, I send it to SGC. If I know that I would get that back very quickly and time is of the essence to to do it because who knows when that time will you know happen maybe it happens right away i send it in because it's cheap and it's quick turnaround and i trust the grading service that's easy enough but you obviously can't do it with every card i think it's just a matter of you have to be okay with not being the winner on every deal you know like not having it picked out ahead of time and being okay with that. Cause you'll never be. And if you do, it becomes like almost like an, an addiction. Like, Oh, I got to get all this stuff. Great. I got to turn around all this product that has a chance to do it. Just take a flyer on a few and then just be okay that you missed out on maybe one or two others. That that's my best advice. Um, again, you know, Mike may have a different uh, opinion on that, but that would be my best advice. Cole, let's go to, Dane and Noah, I know you. Yeah, sure. I, I, I didn't butcher that. That's, I nailed that. Uh, thoughts on Game of Thrones trading cards. Game of Thrones trading cards are something I've never quite gotten into. I think it's just, there's enough fantasy out there for me. So like, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, um, a few of these other like anime stuff that seems to be doing popular. And I never got into Game of Thrones. I never watched the show. I did read uh, like two or three of the books. It's just not really my cup of tea. 
And I, I don't really fault anybody who wants to go and, and trade and do any collecting in that part of the hobby. But yeah, just not my, my thing. Eric Benjaminson, he says, as Ruben discussed with Simmons, the Topps first debut patches have been a huge success and they're continuing to innovate. Do you think the Topps pro debut patches are a success? And do you think they are the reason people bought wax for the chase? I mean, obviously, people are going to buy the wax either way. Even if the debut patches weren't in there, I think it's still a, a popular product, right? However, did it bring more demand? How could you say no, right? Like, how could you say that the advertising and these, you know, one of ones did not bring more attention to that product? I guarantee you there's going to be more people entering that the, the hobby because there's been press and there's been announcements of these debut patches. They're, they talked about it during uh, live games, even at some points. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing, right? Like, I think why not, why not bring more attention, not just to the hobby space, but to just the sports lovers world in general, and then create demand that way. So yeah, I, I, I do think it probably brought some, uh, a matter of attention and therefore sales to that product. I think Mike would probably be good to have here because I'd, I'd be curious if he noticed uh, people paying, I guess, more in breaks or anything like that for the potential of hitting uh, a patch. Because I don't know if that, since they are so rare, I don't know if that's like something you can really factor in. But I do think in the general marketplace, there's probably more people buying that product. Uh, and then lastly, who's, who's Mike's donkey of the week? Well, the way that baby was crying. No, he would never say that. Uh, yeah, I can't give an answer to that one, Johnny F. Other than the fact that we do have a donkey mascot. There's the sports cards nonsense mascot. I I just made it. I didn't even run it by Mike. I just thought if sports cards nonsense was ever going to have a mascot, you can check it out on like the Instagram and Facebook pages. We we have an official mascot. But that being said, I encourage you all to create your own donkeys of the week. And now you can do that with our limited time merch. Um, I can't. I, I honestly, I can't rightly advertise merch, but I, I, I always feel like our merch is so silly that uh, people buying. It, I, w- I just want to give it away. That's my main point. And since I'm not going to be at a card show anytime soon, I, we did list the shirts, the donkey shirts. I'm going to put some stickers up there too here soon. If you guys want any of them, you're welcome to have them. That's at sportscardsnonsense.com forward slash merch. So. Check it out if you want. Otherwise, that's your show. Next week, we've got uh, our baseball legend, Mark Feinsand, for the MLB Network. He's going to be coming into the office to talk a little bit more about the Hall of Famers, uh, the guys on the ballot, talking about the effects on the marketplace, things like that. Um, we, I think we may have additional guests on Monday, but uh, that being the case, thank you for everybody who supported us throughout this last year. We still have not heard from the ringer. We don't know what the future uh, of the podcast is, however, we do know one way or another, you'll still get the sports cards nonsense podcast. It's just a matter of we have loved being with the ringer and we hope that we can continue to do that. But no matter what, this last year, you guys showed us a lot of love. The The whole Spotify wrapped things came out and everyone's like posting online. Hey, you were like my top podcaster. I listened to you for the equivalent of this many days or whatever the case is. It's just amazing to see. So I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of Mike and myself. It's 
so encouraging to see the support that you guys give us on a weekly basis. So uh, anything that we can do for you, we want to do more giveaways into the new year. There's going to be more fun projects, fun uh, content coming out. We're really looking forward to it. But until then, we will see you back on Monday because this has been Sports Cards Nonsense brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network powered by Spotify. Okay, goodbye.